I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And welcome to Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... Okay, so today we're hanging out in my house. I'm hanging out in my pajamas and no makeup. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Pajamas and no makeup. And I think what we're doing today is, is it unfinished projects we're talking about? Yeah, let's do some unfinished projects. Okay, so what do you categorize as unfinished projects? Are they projects that have been swimming in your mind for a couple of years? Or are they projects you've started on and stopped due to roadblocks or just life getting in the way? Um, I would say it's mostly the latter. Okay, so it's mostly the latter. Let's go ahead and just start out with one of mine. I have a lot. Okay. One unfinished project that I have, it's an urban fantasy novel. What I wanted to explore in that I remember having a conversation with you about it being such an oversaturated market. And my idea was to write about it with a protagonist that wasn't likable. Because you, you see these post-apocalyptic stories or these stories about heroines who overcome adversity in parallel universes, but they still remain these for the greater good type of characters. There have to be some assholes there. And I think I mentioned that in a previous podcast. I, I just see a lack of assholery in literature. You had mentioned obliviously happy assholes. I know. I think in, in past conversations with you, I've, I've joked about having sort of douchebag characters and, and the stories about them. And I, I don't want to sideline jerks. You the want protest. the asshole to inherit the earth? Yes. What's wrong with you? Because the, <laughs> the assholes, it's going to be assholes and cockroaches. As soon as that nuclear warhead goes off, thank you, you know who. Those are the only two people that are going to be left. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, is America great yet? Almost. <laughs> almost. We're getting there. Yeah. We haven't completely turned it into a dumpster fire, so it's not great yet. Oh. But yeah, the genre I want to revisit. It is one that I've worked on since 2010 with you, and you've been reading so many versions of the same stories over and over. You must be tired of it. So I've put that in a drawer, and maybe we'll revisit it sometime before. Well, at some point, well, yeah. everything goes in cycles. Yes. So vampires, they were in style when Anne Rice had an interview with the vampire, and there's that big controversy about Tom Cruise playing Lestat, even though Julian Sands would have done a better job. But anyway, so... I loved Tom Cruise as Lestat. <laughs> I adored... I, there is something about that guy. I will root for him in any film. And just the character of Lestat. Who better to understand a guy like that than Tom Cruise? Yeah, they're all secretly dead inside, really. Sorry, Tom Cruise. Leave don't my sue maverick us. alone. Please, Tom Cruise and your Church of Scientology, don't sue us. We have nothing you can sue us for. And I'll join. <laughs> no, you won't. You know, I stopped by their Vegas place because I was nosy <laughs> to see what a Scientology church looked like. If it looked like a normal church. And you know how they make you fill out those pamphlets? Oh, no. One of them got me outside the church and I t took my name and cell number. And they called me once a week for almost two years. Hi, Sabrina. Just checking in. So I don't know if that means that they just really care. Oh, I got accosted by one in San Francisco. <laughs> what happened? And I'm like... Oh, sure, I'll take your stupid little quiz and whatever. And so I did, and I watched the little Scientology video with the celebrities and shit. And it was just like, I saw through their shit, though, because like, no matter how you fill out the quiz, they'll interpret the results to mean, you need Scientology in your life. Yeah. And I'm like, so I just gave them fake information. <laughs> oh. So, okay. 
So anyway, where were we? Oh, cycles. Cycles, yes. So vampire fiction went out of style for a while. And then the Twilight franchise became the the big thing. So vampires were in style again. And people were doing vampire this and vampire that. And they also had Sookie Stackhouse and the Vampire Diaries and all that other kind of stuff. And now that's out of fashion again. So can I quickly rant here? Go ahead. I read Interview the Vampire when I was in my preteens, into my teens, and I used to keep a diary where I wrote about my junior high and high school crushes, but I would write about us as if we were all immortal beings. <laughs> oh my gosh, you did, oh my god, you did Tina Belcher's erotic friend fiction so before here's, fan fiction was a thing. So this is the thing, do you think my piece of shit diaries could have sold had I done something with them? I sit back and think about that when I'm, you know, paying property taxes, damn it. <laughs> I, you should do that. I'll shit be up. bitter forever over that. Okay, <laughs> when we get famous, we're gonna publish that shit. It was so sad. Basically, she was an immortal, but she really liked this one guy, and she would walk along the water crying over him. And I'm so stupid because at 15, that was the most <laughs> important thing to me. Give me immortality today, and I will show you a beautiful life. I don't care. Oh my god. That's <sighs> That was a rant. My bad. And that's okay. That was that was a very well-deserved digression. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. When Twilight came out and you saw that, because I remember she was hawking it on MySpace for free. Mm-hmm. Perez Hilton was one of the first people that um, was advertising Twilight. Mm-hmm. And when I read the first couple of pages of that novel, I'm like, this... This is what they're going to turn into a major motion picture? Holy shit. And that was like 2000, 2001. You should have published your diaries on MySpace I sh- Exactly. Oh my God. Oh my Talk gosh. about missed opportunities. Exactly. Okay, so I think my point is everything goes in cycles. Yes. So maybe in another another five or ten years or so. Get those urban, diaries out. And urban fantasy might make a comeback again. Yeah. So it might be time to revisit and see what new take you can have on the genre to, to make it fresh. Nice. Do you have any unfinished projects? I don't think I have anything that's going to lead to vampire fan fiction, though. <laughs> okay, so I had a chick lit book I was, I was working on in my 20s. And it got me an agent. Nice. But it got me no sale. Because I had struck toward the kind of end of the chiclet trend so it was a little too late on that and I found I didn't like a, a lot of the fixes that the agent was making I'm not trashing her or anything like that because I think she was doing what she thought would be more saleable and whatnot okay but I kind of felt like it wasn't my story anymore and I found like it was too I don't know it, it felt like it was too preachy and moralistic now wow okay and I think it was just as well because I think I think Facebook was starting to become a thing. And by the time we got published, Facebook would have ruined my whole entire book. Because it was about finding a long lost, like long lost family. Oh, I see. And it was like, why didn't she just go on Facebook? It's like, well, Facebook wasn't wrong when I was workshopping my book. Okay, shut up. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just let that one go by the wayside. So that's it with that. I don't, God, I wish I could have walked around and made up some fan fiction on the marina but i had no immortals in my book 
so I don't think that would have worked. Everyone was a vampire immortal in in my story. (laughs) And what I also have is a collection of short stories. Okay, I don't know where the arrogance came from. I don't know if it was arrogance or just being naive. But at 13, when I realized I wanted to do something creative, I automatically assumed first thing out the gate I was going to be Elmore Leonard. You're giving me this look like... No, I think I, I was very arrogant and shitty at 13 as well. And I just thought I, that's what I was going to do. So the, some of the short stories that I wrote, they were hilarious because I wanted to live in Vegas. I wanted to live in L.A. I sort of wanted the whole Elmore Leonard plus his name eludes me, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, Hunter S. Thompson. Exactly. So you wanted to do a lot of drugs and become Elmore Leonard. If you replace drugs with like chocolate mousse out of martini glasses that's what i was envisioning okay we're not advocating drug use we're advocating what are we advocating gluttony yeah yeah gluttony pride vanity (laughs) all of it all seven just don't do drugs don't do drugs don't do drugs until you can afford rehab exactly (laughs) you know i would just skip the drugs and go straight to the rehab especially the ones out in malibu where you go swimming oh my gosh that would be amazing and do macrame yeah and talk about yourself do do they do crafts at rehab i don't know i can't afford it i don't i don't know no one's ever handed me a brochure or invited me so yeah go straight for the rehab and skip the (laughs) middleman But uh, my short stories, what they all had in common, and I have no idea why this character stayed, is so vivid in my mind. But the muse, the the sort of, who do you call the character? The the narrator. The narrator in all of my short stories who was going to put my Elmore Leonard world together was a 50-year-old woman who lived in a motel and collected... What do you call those Kodak photos that you snap it and it comes right out? Oh, the Polaroids. Polaroids. I don't think Polaroid and Kodak are the same company. Wait, are they the same company? I forget. I forget. Okay. You know what we're talking about. Yeah. All our viewers in, in a certain age bracket. Polaroids. And so she collected Polaroids of swimming pools and plants. And these Polaroids put together created different universes that all of my characters lived in within the LA desert area. Okay. I have no idea where this is going, but that's... Oh, and another thing. That little strip of land that connects Las Vegas to L.A., I was obsessed with that area. I thought I'd somehow live out there in the middle of nowhere for a little bit and just be out on... I don't know. They live on ranches and... I don't know. Desert people. That's what I thought I was going to have some time as. And just look out of the stars and put the horses out in the field. You see how I have no life experience to draw on this life. And I'm a desert rat, so it's... Wait, so where, where do you put the, the horses? I never had horses, so you would you would put them out in the barn or on the ranch or whatever, but they would have a barn to go into for shelter when it gets cold at night. So you never cared about them enough to shelter them. Oh my God. Why are you putting Carly. words in my mouth? I said you would have a barn for them to go into. Okay. Where, where did you skip that? You You chose not to hear this so you can... Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're supposed to have tension in our podcast because we're girls. We're girls and we're Sabrina would take care of the horses. Obviously, Carly wouldn't. Oh, wow. I'm the bleeding heart animal lover here. Shut up. (laughs) So since I'm from the desert, I'm just like, I'm done with the desert. But you're not from the desert, so you kind of romanticize it. Okay, in the middle of the night, could you sit on top of a vehicle or in the back of a pickup truck, smoke cigarettes, and look at an entire sky blanketed in stars if you're still in town there's gonna be a lot of street lights and whatnot obscuring the stars but if you go to the outskirts then you should be fine and then as soon as you're done stargazing you drive a couple of miles and you pull over at a diner 
that has a jukebox with amazing music and perfect pancakes and bacon and eggs to eat right before heading home? In the um, Hollywood version of the Desert Road Trip, yes. That's what we're aiming for, children. (laughs) All right. The dream continues. Do you have any um, collection of stories with a narrator taking Polaroids out in the middle of nowhere? No, I don't. I'm I'm thinking you have the best list so far. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) (laughs) My 20-year list of things that never happened and could have, should have. I wish I didn't have it. So I did have a book that was kind of making use of my high desert heritage, as it were. And that one, it still kind of reeked of a chiclet voice. Because I think my style of writing tends to be very conversational and very colloquial. A lot of humor, a lot of snark. So, it, I mean, it was a perfect fit for chiclet when it was still a hot genre. And I came across some plot snags in this particular book. Like the subplots were turning into this Gordian knot and I didn't have the sword to... Was it, what sword cut through the Gordian Knot? King Arthur's? No, it wasn't King Arthur's. That's Excalibur. I think it was, um, I don't want to say Alexander the Great because that's incorrect, but someone correct me. Someone send us an email and correct me, and then I can do some housekeeping or whatever. (laughs) But anyway, that was starting to get a little bit cumbersome, and also it was another case where it was a contemporary novel, and some aspects were already getting dated. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's one reason why I'm why I'm just like, fuck it, I'm writing historical. And I love your historical stories. Thank you. Do you think you'll ever revisit contemporary? I really don't think so. Mm. Not at the moment anyway. Unless I can find some kind of amorphous contemporary time where I can get away with not having absolutely up to the minute technology. The late nineties to early two thousands, contemporary stories I felt stayed with us mm-hmm. but it seems like today contemporary stories are whatever essays the cut publishes that lasts for a 24-hour news cycle and then it's gone it just seems really I can't think of a contemporary novel that came out in the past month or so that people are still talking about or made an impact mm. and I can't even remember who the Pulitzer was last year or this year <laughs> We're, we're such great writers, aren't we? <laughs> no, be, um, We have to turn in our literary cred. We, we have to, but... Um, we're shameful. Welcome to the Goon Squad. That won the Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. And when that came out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. And she wrote a contemporary novel and won the Pulitzer. How cool is this? And I read through it and I thought, okay, I see it. Um, I don't see novels coming out like that now. Or getting as, as much attention as those novelists did. Interesting. Or just maybe that I'm not looking in the same areas that I was. That's always possible. My thing is I've been so trapped in academic reading and writing (sighs) that I haven't really been keeping up. Yeah. And I've been reading nothing but comic books lately, so. I've been binging on a lot of YA. So that's, I mean, it's my genre, so I have to. Awesome, awesome. So what do you have on your list next? I have what I call the unicorn story. Hmm. I'm saying, hmm, into my fizzy water can. And no, to everyone, I've been calling myself a unicorn since I was five years old, and it's only in the past couple of years. Unicorns have been a thing. I've only been, I've been calling myself a unicorn since I was five, and it's only been in the last couple of years that a unicorn has come to mean something else, and I didn't know that, and all my references to unicorns weren't about that. Mine are pure and beautiful. You know what unicorns are, right? You're the hipster of unicorns. 
But do you know what they use the word unicorn for now? You're, you're smiling, which means you do know. Yeah. Exactly. And so when you saw me posting photos where I'm wearing a unicorn helmet, <laughs> no, I wasn't doing anything. I, I, de- I dearly meant I was Swiftwind from Rainbow Bright. <laughs> Wait, I thought Swiftwind was She-Ra's <gasps> Pegasus. Oh my God, did I get my unicorns mixed up? Oh my God. You need to give back your 80s card. You know what? And She-Ra's was a Pegasus. It was not a unicorn. Rainbow Bright had the unicorn. And that was Star... Was it Starlight or Star Bright? Okay, let me give this a quick Google, but keep... Swiftwind was like my best friend. So I loved unicorns. And this story that I... That's been milling around in my head. What happened to them? Did they grow up? Did they ever leave their alternate universe? Are they here on Earth? Did they continue to live with unicorns? Or did they try to do the normal 9 to 5 gig? That's what I wonder about. And so that that's why I call it a unicorn story. Because I've started it from so many different angles. Some angles where a She-Ra-like character has amnesia because she's thrown through a portal and ends up here on Earth. And then just like, you know, ends up waitressing somewhere out. I had a little bit of a burp and I hope that didn't come through. Nah, it's fine. We're talking about unicorns. eh. (laughs) Our mics are sensitive though. And then another angle is they live their whole lives in that magical forest, but they need help to continue their life. So they open up a tear in time and ask for help from humans. I don't know where this rant is going, but it's basically adult Swiftwind. What happened to him? Never-ending story. And that's Falcor. Now you're really mixing all of your... <laughs> it, it's all together. We're all living in David Bowie's all, labyrinth, my friend. All, <laughs> and yet another one. All the 80s sci-fi has kind of... Not sci-fi, Smash, but fantasy. Smooshed together, creating this universe. And they're like, where have you been for the past 30 years? We need you. 80s fantasy know. mashup realness. Exactly. There we go. Yes. My Holly Dolly kind of reminds me of Falcor sometimes. Awesome. Yeah. I have a puppy that's like Falcor. Purple and glitter, my friends. Purple mm-hmm. and glitter. I will not encourage her to get into the purple and glitter, though, because she will. I'm sure she'll do it. She's my little supermodel Muppet. Tell us another one of your, your unfinished projects or to-dos. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I had one unfinished project that actually turned into my first novel. Wow. Yeah. That happened for real. It was yet another chicklet. I know. The Deep Dark Secrets of Carly Knight. <laughs> <laughs> she used to write chicklet. Do share. Okay, so I had originally written this character, a grown lady adult character, and she kind of had to work through the baggage of her extremely conservative upbringing. Mm. And I was writing her backstory and kind of weaving that into the book as I went along. And it turned out I was a lot more interested in the backstory than in the front story. Okay. And so I thought, oh my gosh. I think I have a YA story going on. Is this Confessions of a Failed Preacher's Kid? Confessions of a Failed Preacher's Daughter. Failed Preacher's Daughter. Why did I call her Preacher's Kid? Sorry about that. That's okay. You've only known of my book for a long time. <laughs> and I'm really super hurt. No, I know why I called it uh, Preacher's Kid you on accident. You chocolate. Because they, they refer to her as PK sometimes, right? Yeah, okay, exactly. Cool. Woo! I knew, I knew there was a reason. That's right. I had to, I had to bust your chops a little bit just because. So you actually you started with Veronica as an adult, looking back at her. Yeah. Will you ever revisit Veronica as an adult or? Nah. Nah. I'm, I'm keeping her in the YA universe. Nice. Okay. I like her there, but awesome. in the process, I realized that maybe I should be a YA author because when I put aside my high desert book that got shelved. 
I dusted off the, the Preacher's Daughter book and I started really getting into workshopping that one and just going head on into that one. Nice. Yeah. So that one got... And you finished, finished it. Yeah, finished to publishing. Wow. Well, self-publishing. I didn't want to go traditional publishing with this one just because I didn't want anybody else's mark on it. Yeah. I workshopped it to make sure that I don't have blinders on because something I understand and is completely clear may not be understandable to readers. Yeah. So I did make sure, I made sure to get some outside feedback on it. I remember you had beta readers from different age brackets go through it and see if they pinpointed anything. A lot of research went into it. It was fun reading it through all those different versions and then finally reading the finished product. Thank you. One of the members of my writer's group has um, has a teenage daughter. So Uh I was like, Hey, you think she could read my book? And she read it and she and she thought for the most part I had a believable teenage voice going on. Nice. It helps to be emotionally stunted. Me. <laughs> I'm the one I'm the emotionally stunted one here, which means means only good things for me as a YA author cuz I know the teenage mindset. I th- I think I relate to the teenager too. Or do you think I'm mature and and have grown as Okay, I haven't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. I think I've, I've matured to maybe about the mentally, maybe I'm 14. I'm there. Sometimes I give myself credit for being at least 16. Nice. And I'm just going to throw my last one out here. I just put down murder story. Murder story. Yes. Ooh, murder story. Just one run together. All one word. Murder story. Murder story. Murder story. Murder story. Murder story. Okay, go on. So we're all familiar with Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. The character in that novel... And a lot of the characters, like Kiss the Girls, who find themselves in that situation, they tend to be either A, extremely vulnerable, or B, hysterical and wanting to do some, you know, get the heck out of there. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it where they're sort of mellow and they're like, oh God, this. So. Well, their lives are at stake and all that kind of thing. Yes. But I never. Okay, here, here, this is how I'm going to explain it Harlan Coben has a series. A serial where the My- uh, the Myron Bolitar serial and Myron finds himself in all of these weird situations, but he's a grown man, so he deals with them like, oh God, there's a gun in my head. Oh my gosh, this is happening. Yeah, he comes from a certain background where he knows these sort of instances will happen to him and he can deal with it. But I've always wondered why we don't put women in similar situations. So my murder story is about a female character who finds herself in the middle of all of this and how she deals with it. Okay, it's the assignment of gender roles, right? Um, it's the feeling that if you wake up in handcuffs next to a boiler room and you're a girl, you're going to cry because you know the dirty mattress is, is the end of your life. But it's if a guy, it's like, oh my God, do I cut my own hand off? I think or? the guy would be crying too in real life. But in Hollywood, we have to make sure the men come across as heroic and brave at all times because it's not acceptable for men to show vulnerability. Exactly. You never see them vulnerable. So I want a female character out there like that because me, I don't think I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to rip that boiler off of the wall. I have anger management issues at times, I believe, which is why I don't understand why all, why a lot of female protagonists and female characters are described as getting very sad and vulnerable because the first emotion out of me is tends to be anger. <laughs> and if, if it happens to me, it has to happen to a lot of people, right? How about you? Well, I think there's um, there's that trope of the kick-ass action female or the action, 
Yeah, the action heroine, the kick-ass action girl. So they, they seem to go through those same situations like, oh god, I gotta kick my way out of this, fuck this. But it's like Buffy, mm-hmm. or it's Lara Croft. To be that action girl, they have to be gifted in something special. They can't just be normal off the street. They will have Joe the Plumber start doing CIA ops level as if he was trained as a Marine within two seconds of falling into a certain situation, but a girl off the street couldn't wouldn't be put into the same boat. It would have to be explained that a god from a different dimension came down and blessed her as a vampire slayer, and that's why she <laughs> can kick butt. Or her dad was a billionaire and left her with enough money to, I don't know, turn her into Angelina Jolie on steroids. They don't just walk off the street as Joe the Plumber and turn into someone that could get things accomplished without too much hysterics. Got it. That was a rant that I can't really put my finger on, but you know what I mean by that, right? I think so. Okay. I don't watch enough action movies to give you an an informed opinion or an informed dissenting opinion or whatever, but... And I watch all of them. I watch everything that comes out, and I think only in the past couple of years have we seen characters, female characters, who can be strong, but then it's superheroes. Again, it's someone who is blessed with skills, even though I'm very much looking forward to Captain Marvel. But you can be strong and still have vulnerabilities. That just makes you human. I hate vulnerability. <laughs> no. I think that's something you got to work out. In your I have own. to work. Like if yeah. I see someone crying, I just want to hit them. Yeah, that's definitely a take it to your therapist kind of thing. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not normal. All right. I hate tears. I just want to stab them, <laughs> stab them, stab them. <laughs> Stop crying! <laughs> Shut up! Sabrina at... Swallow procrast- it! <laughs> Sabrina at procrastination.com. Throw some cake over it. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some cake over it. <laughs> oh my god, that's a, that's a t-shirt. That's, it, it really is. Throw some cake over it. You laugh at me for crying at Rainbow Connection. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Punch you in the neck. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Woosa. Throw some cake on it. Throw some cake on it. What (laughs) is your next unfinished project? Do I have a next unfinished project? Okay, so my novel that got me an agent, I... Okay, this was when the new adult genre was kind of coming up. Mm. It's a flash in the pan now out. Yes. But anyway, I thought, hey... I can, let's see, this new adult stuff is just pretty much tarted up chiclet. So I decided to revisit that particular book and see if I can cannibalize it for parts. Yeah. And do a kind of new adult sort of thing. I took one of my antagonists and decided to tell tell her story in the aftermath of the book. Wow. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly why that fizzled out, but I think I had a case of sexy new project syndrome. Have I met your antagonist in this story i think you did oh wow i think you may have done that she was getting out of jail ah yes her mom was picking her up i remember that one yeah she had to kind of stay in her mom's subdivision that can't be an unfinished story that has to be an in progress story i'll get back to it story i might have to do something with that and i actually don't have any other projects i i wrote the words dear jane but i sort of explained that with the short stories oh and dear jane was this one i'll just tell it it's toilet stories Toilet stories. Oh my God, you have to tell. Okay, so with toilet stories, I have this friend 
and she and I both have a, you you know her I won't name drop. She and I have really horrible sense of humor and we laugh at things and people that we shouldn't at certain times. So we came up with this idea maybe about 10 or so years ago. Do you know how you write letters? Mm-hmm. Dear Jane, how am I ever going to meet the right one or do something like that? Yeah. Instead of writing the very hopeful, proactive letter that Jane does in response, you read this person with every every horrible awful thing you know they have in their they have in the back of their mind every insecurity every everything that you know they could possibly fear which is why they're asking the question you just take that and you put it into the essay and you're like oh sorry that's never going to happen because and then as you work <laughs> your way through it jokingly reference things that have happened to you that have blown up to let them realize failure is okay and odds are what they're asking you about is going to end up in a dumpster fire. Oh, man. So, like, Downer Dear Abby? Downer Dear Abby, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that that needs to become a finished project. That Complete sounds, with photos. That sounds terrible and awful, and I want to read it. Thank you. I know. You're welcome. And the reason why it was called Toilet Stories is because, okay, I'm going to put her on blast, but I'm not going to name any names. I actually, we had a friend who went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We had a friend who was on like her second or third date with a guy, went to the restroom, things didn't work out right, came back to the dinner. She shit her pants or something. Something along those lines. <laughs> and, you know, you don't tell that to an asshole like me and, and the other friend and then ask us, you think it's going to be okay, right? No. No, it's never going to be okay. Oh, wow. You'll be on your deathbed and you're going to remember this night. Stop it. But... It was, it was, it's like that. Those are the kind of funny things we're going to put into it with humor and. No, you need to make it dead serious. No humor. (laughs) Oh my God. I think you're, I think you're owning this particular episode. (laughs) It's because I'm just letting the asshole run free. And it's. And it ends in a toilet story. (laughs) Dear Sabrina. Don't let your asshole run too free. (laughs) You can have a mudslide. Have you ever had friends tell you those stories? Yeah. Did you, you put them on blast on a podcast? No. <laughs> I do. That's like, oh shit. Remember never to, remind me never to tell you anything ever again. Don't share anything with me. It'll end up in a story somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of all the shit I may have told you and that I shouldn't have told you because. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. And what is your another unfinished project you have? Okay, so I had a brief period of hate reading various lifestyle bloggers, and I decided to write a story about a lifestyle blogger character. And it was kind of when the homesteading thing was starting to become this hot thing. And so I I had my main character, whose sister had a lifestyle blog where she's homesteading it, and she's off the grid, and it's ever so ideal and Pinteresty. Yeah. And she gets served with divorce papers. She wants just out of the house. She gets fired from her job too, by the way. So her life turns into a dumpster fire. Yeah. And she goes, well, her sister takes her in because she's not, she's not like a shitty smug lifestyle blogger as some of them can turn off to be, turn out to be, turn off to be, whatever. Anyway. Asshole bloggers. Yeah. And so she goes to live with her sister and her seemingly perfect Pinteresty family and... Things turn out not to be so perfect underneath the surface. Oh, wow. 
So I kind of wanted to deconstruct some of that. And then I think I got caught up with, um, I don't know what got me to stop this one. I think I didn't outline it, so I didn't know exactly where I was going to go. And then I think I got caught up with more um, more Veronica stuff. Ah, I see. So. Is this homesteading one you might revisit? I'm not sure. Do you know how you mentioned Instagram and Pinterest? Uh-huh. Can I tell you something shameful? Go ahead. Well, not really shameful. It's just we all evolve as humans. Okay. I was on Pinterest today, and there's something I'm obsessed with that I'm going to get. I've never had one. I've never used one, but I'm going to have one before the year is done. I want a cast iron Dutch oven. Ooh, that sounds nice. One of those La Crusettes or whatever. Yes. Oh, So here's man. the thing. The reason why I want it. That is so aspirational. Okay. Do you cook with that? Is, is, is oh, that... we do cook with cast iron. Okay, and the reason why I want that Dutch oven is because I feel if I have it, I will bake my own breads, which will make me stop eating as as much as many carbs as I do, and then I can make all the dishes that I want to eat at Michelin star restaurants that I can't afford, and I'll just do it myself at home. Okay, so you want to make your own carbs so that you eat fewer carbs? So you can eat, um, what is it, more complex, organic, better carbs, not basic bitch carbs. Better carbs. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I understand the logic behind that. I think you just want to eat some fucking bread. Just say you I just want to some... eat some bread, but I want it to be beautiful bread that I made from my heart. I just want a fucking Dutch oven. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I want it in white and possibly blue. What's wrong with me? Is that like a, is that a telltale sign of something? What is, what is the uh, DSM definition of why narcissism histrionic personality (laughs) (laughs) no you want to use your calories and your carbs on stuff that's going to taste good you don't want to waste it on okay stuff that you're like okay why did i waste those calories which is why i want a dutch oven can you make bread in the dutch oven yes you can? Yes. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I actually got one of those beginner bread maker books. Ooh. And she kept on talking about her stupid Dutch oven. I was like, don't take your Dutch oven and shove it. But I'm going to get one of my own. But I'm going to get one of my own. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> well, that's such a sour grapes that you're like, I hate Dutch oven. I want a Dutch oven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there is a woman at work. She's close to retirement. And she goes home and makes her bread from scratch. Mm. She doesn't have a Dutch oven. She just uses a regular pan. But she adds walnuts and raisins into her bread and she slices it up and she brings it to work with butter. And I'm like, if she can do that with arthritis in her hands and about 30 plus years on me, why can't I? Well, she has 30 plus years on you. She has experience of making the bread. But I'm a warrior and a (laughs) unicorn. I could just, I should just be able to walk into the kitchen and do this. And not cry when you fail. I don't cry. I never cry. You're going to just pick up the oven. And slam it through the wall. Exactly. And you're like, why didn't the bread turn out right? <laughs> exactly. Pick up the whole stove and it'd be like, fuck this bread. <laughs> and fuck this Dutch oven. Don't throw it. It cost me too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still paying it off. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> You complain about property taxes, but you're going to buy a Dutch oven. Okay. The Dutch oven will feed me the property taxes. I don't really know what they do. I just know that I get this letter in the mail. and they. Okay, tell how me many I times have, have I told you they pay for schools? Okay, I, I'm, and I'm down with that. But why does it have such a be, be such a big number? Why can't it be like what I spend on Netflix? Now, does... How I'm much doing is, some Trump mathematics for you right ew. there. <laughs> no. How much does an education cost? 
I don't it's know. I've never th- asked. It's private. Education costs less than a Netflix subscription, dumbass. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll give you a swirly. You're gonna wake up handcuffed to that Dutch oven. In the in a boiler room. <laughs> oh, and then And then you're gonna beat yourself up for crying. Because it's gonna be an actual for real situation instead of something you armchair quarterback. <laughs> armchair quarterback i love it okay here's the thing i'm going to create something that will change the world or at least the food industry within the bay area okay and i am going to perfect with my dutch oven the vegan lobster roll for everyone who can eat lobster because they're allergic or can't afford it they will eat sabrina's vegan lobster roll boom boom right trademark that Exactly. We gotta, we, gotta, we gotta cut this out of the podcast so we can trademark it. So, okay, are, are you a lobster roll person? Because I know there's a certain time of year when everyone's like, oh my God, lobster. And they start selling it like crazy at Costco and people are like, ooh, get the butter and the lobster and put it in bread. Oh God, that sounds so good right now. I want a lobster roll. Fuck you, Sabrina. And I can't eat them because I'm allergic, but I'm like, um, I, I, I saw one person, what did they use? Um, hearts of Palm. Does that sound familiar? Hearts of Palm does not taste like lobster. It tastes more like artichoke hearts. Well, Hearts of Palm is what the this vegan website was using to imitate lobster. They soak it, they they chop it up, they season it the way that you would season a lobster roll, and they cook it in a certain way in a Dutch oven. Okay, you'd have the texture of a lobster, you're still not going to have the taste. I don't know what lobster tastes like, so okay. you could fool me probably. Oh, okay. But you're telling me it's not. Okay, so you're saying you're going to invent it, but you got the idea off another website. No, someone showed it on on another website. I'm going to perfect it a la Martha Stewart and make something of it. Oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) In my Dutch oven. In your Dutch oven. Your Dutch oven is going to change the world. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) So you actually like lobster rolls. Oh, I wish I could eat them. Oh, man. What would you compare it to? Would you compare it to chicken, pork? No. Um, Eggs? Scrambled eggs? No. It's its own taste. It's a, it's a seafood taste. I'm missing out. That's okay. Do you think you could ever be fooled by Hearts of Palm to believe you were eating lobster? Have you listened to me ranting about the Hearts of Palm for the past minute? Okay. Short-term memories, man. Goddamn millennials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an elder millennial. Millennials ruin, millennials ruin serial killers with their social media. Oh my god. And you've seen my social media. Yeah, I'm you... so far at my own ass. <laughs> <laughs> She has not seen daylight since <laughs> 2008. Exactly. The year I graduated from high school. <laughs> there we go. Wait, an elder millennial who graduated in 2008? That doesn't sound too good. It sounds like you were in high school for too long. <laughs> I was a late bloomer. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. So, yeah, lobster rolls, Dutch ovens, and unicorn stories, and that is my pass to getting there. Okay, this is off topic. We're going to talk about this, but you could always cut it out. Mm -hmm. Someone had a conversation at work that I overheard, and I'm like, is that what you call being a boss, or is that just, eh? And I'm going to ask the same way that they asked it. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen Daniel Steele's desk? Oh my god, I have seen Daniel Steele's desk. So it is something to be awed yes! and amazed by. Oh my god, and I'm jealous of it. I want would that you desk. do it? Okay. Yes, I would. I would so do that. I wow. Would, I would 
Yeah. Because when that came up, I Googled it and I'm like, oh, okay. Do you think it's for publicity or no? That's the motherfucking desk she writes at. Hey, makes for a great photo op, number one. Number two, I believe that's her real motherfucking desk. That is. That is her real motherfucking desk. That is, okay, if that's not true, don't anybody correct me. Okay. No. I'm choosing to believe that's her real motherfucking desk. And so is that head up your ass or is that I'm Danielle M. Effing Steele? And... It's I'm Danielle motherfucking Steele and that's my motherfucking desk. Okay. Yeah. All right. I work with kids and I cuss a lot. You heard it here on Procrastination Planet. Yeah. I don't work with kids and cuss a lot at the same time though. Just yeah. disclaimer. Separate worlds. Separate, separate worlds. worlds. Compartmentalizing. <laughs> so that's one thing. Mm-hmm. She is a warrior. She is continually on the New York Times bestseller list, um, as Harlan Coben and Stephen King are, mm-hmm. as your friend James Patterson is. Ew! But Daniel Steele is the only one. He ghostwrites everything. Yes. So, da- but Daniel Steele is the Sorry, only James one. Sorry, James Patterson, don't sue us. We have nothing you can sue us for. I don't even know what ghostwriting means. I, I, I mean, just agreed with her. James Patterson doesn't give a fuck. He's, he's counting his money. He's like, whatever, I'll go cry into my royalty checks. But none of them have Danielle Steele's desk. Nobody has Danielle Steele's desk. Nah. I'm jealous of that desk. God. So she is awesome. That desk is a 40-minute drive from here. <gasps> we could always head down that way, see if anyone's around, break in, take a photo with the desk, and run out. Then get arrested. That's right. We don't advocate burglary and breaking getting and entering a, and getting arrested i wonder if the reason why there's so no miss danielle Steele, you don't have to get a restraining order against us we're way too lazy like yeah yeah we're just we're i wonder if the reason why there's so many different photos of the desk is it because it exists somewhere that maybe tourists or people or fans are able to go by and take photos of or she has a meeting grease i don't know how that works yeah but I just know that all of us know this desk exists. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a conversation at work. I hear conversations about male authors. It, it just shocked me that a female author and a romance novelist at that came up in discussion at work. And it was, oh my God, have you seen her desk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any others to add? I, I think I've went through all my unfinished projects list. Um, I don't have anything else to add. I think we've, I think we've exhausted our list of unfinished projects. And when we finish this, we will rule the world. We will. We're not going to let this episode become an unfinished project. I will be editing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. Yay. Okay, so I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, Tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.